I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Let's lead off a trade deadline here. Obviously, it was eventful. Apologies for myself for not being able to be there in those spaces on Tuesday night. It looked like that. I was a fun time. I listened back to it. But four new guys on the roster right now. At one point, it was five. But uh, Ryan Weathers is going to go work on some things down in Jacksonville. But Josh Bell, Jake Berger, David Robertson, Jorge Lopez, all additions. Only two of those guys coming within the past week. Both came on deadline day. Bell and Berger. We'll go to Kevin here. Thoughts on those moves in general? How did this trade deadline shape up, do you think? Pretty good, to be honest. I mean, Miami got exactly uh, almost everything they were looking for. Obviously, you mentioned Weathers, who is more a long-term project in this case. But just... Starting with first base, I think, uh, I, I, my, at least myself, I kind of had a feeling Cooper would be going out the door. That was the case, and it, it became more evident that when the Guardians traded for um, Kyle Manzardo in that Aaron Savali trade, that Bell would be out the door as well. And Miami found a way to acquire Josh Bell in this deal, and they, they had to give up Gene Segura, who is now been DFA'd and released. And then there was Kilo Watson, who was the big ticket prospect in this move. I like that move. Josh Bell obviously has already came in and made a big impact. I believe in his first game at a four hit night, that he had the home run. He looked great on defense too. And for the most part, I believe he's OPSing over one thousand since coming to Miami. So he mentioned it in post game. He mentioned it in pregame that day on before his first game. You know how big it was for him to find to kind of have a reset. And obviously we've noticed that. A uh, guy who doesn't strike out much. I think he has as much homers as Garrett Cooper, so they're not missing much power there. Uh, it's a nice move there for Miami. Then, obviously, you have Jake Berger, which was the big move, I guess you could say, of the deadline, the first one they made on deadline day. Uh, I like the move. The only 
doubts was the strikeout rate, but the strikeout percentage. But, I mean, ever since coming to Miami, he's been a little bit more of a patient hitter. He's worked on some walks. He's gotten hit a couple times. He got hit once, I believe, in that first game with Miami. So, and he already hit his first home run, got a couple hits there. So, he's looked good thus far. And not bad on defense either. So, and then obviously the two relievers, Robertson and um, and Jorge Lopez. Lopez was kind of a guy who needed a reset. He's gotten it. He had a pretty bad outing against the Rangers, but besides besides that outing, he's looked pretty good for the most part. Has to work a little bit on his control. And then Robertson. Um, it's hard to mention. It's hard to say how this move's turned out because obviously the first time he came out, it looked great. I mean, shut the side out, got got it done, and then gives up the homer in the Philly series twice. When first, well, first of all, in that Sandy game, which we'll talk about later because it's the weekend review, and then. That that the won an extra innings, which thankfully for Miami they were able to win the game. So then there's that, uh, and then finally Ryan Weathers, more of a project type of guy. Garrett Cooper goes the other way. So does Eli's boy Sean Reynolds, uh, who should be getting the big league call up soon. To be honest with you, um, and yeah, it's more of a long term project. Showed some good stuff yesterday in his outing. Um, I think he was left out a little too long. That's an argument for another day, but. Yeah, I mean, not a bad player. I think he could be something special here in Miami with the right development of pitching. And obviously, you could kind of look at Luzardo when he came in. He never got a start in AAA, but this obviously is a different situation for Miami where they're in contention, unlike um, they were out of it when Luzardo came in. So, good overall trade deadline. Um, no, no real complaints. I think the only complaint, and actually, yeah, there was one complaint. They didn't get a legit starting pitcher. I would have liked them to acquire a Lorenzen or, a, or Jordan Montgomery. Obviously, they weren't able to do it. I think Lorenzo was reachable, but obviously, um, Miami obviously didn't want to give up. But well, you know, Detroit was asking for there. And besides that, they got what they needed. So good stuff by Miami. I think I gave it a B plus, and I think a lot of other people did as well. Just given the fact that to give up Eater Watson, now that farm system is looking horrible. So it's still fine though. All right, Eli. Quickly, we'll go with your general thoughts. I thought Kevin summed it up. Summed it up pretty well there. Yeah, I agree. Um, that I was generally in favor of everything, and then they stopped short of getting what I felt they needed most, which was starting rotation stability. Instead, they get a guy that was very clearly not ready to contribute in the big leagues, and yet we find him in this situation, Ryan Weathers, where he's pressed into action in an important situation, and the one winnable game of the series against the Rangers, they they lose because they had him out there in a mop-up role. <laughs> because uh, the rest of the bullpen was fried and the rest of the bullpen was fried because the other starters in this rotation just have not put it all together the way that we thought uh, that we would. I would say that Jake Berger has, that was a trade I was in favor of, especially not just immediately, but obviously long-term because they have so many years of club control remaining. And I did notice in hindsight that he was in his final few games before the trade, picking up a few more walks and already that has been a surprise for the most part so far in his Marlins tenure, his ability to make contact on pitches outside the zone or occasionally actually restrain himself from chasing outside the zone. That's been his very big weakness. The reason why his OBP is deep into the 200s, which is not what you want from a corner infielder. There is now some, in a small sample, I have some optimism that he's going to trend up in that direction and become a slightly more complete hitter. Um, so I'm pleased with that so far. Obviously with Josh Bell, you have to be satisfied with what he's done so far offensively. He does look like an upgrade at the first base position. He's under control for next year also. And aside from that, David Robertson, 
he's in the situation now because the team has been struggling so much. He's now had this mini vacation in the middle of the year. He hasn't pitched since Wednesday and hopefully that time off will give him a reset. It was highly uncharacteristic for him to have those back-to-back outings where he gave up home runs in crucial spots. They were able to, the only game they won this past week, they were able to bail him out in extra innings, but that's, you, you got him specifically. So you would think that he would be immune to having consecutive games like that. So hopefully this time off to decompress will be in the best for him. He's the one guy that's a true rental in this situation. So he's the one that they're most urgent to get some production down the stretch in order to actually do what they wanted him to do, which is contribute once they actually get to October. And those playoff odds have gone down quite a bit ever since they acquired him just because of the way that this past week has gone. Let's go ahead and talk about that week now. So four-game Philly series had like two different teams throughout that series because of the deadline, but only one of the week came during that series right there, four-gamer, very, very important against another team in the wild-card race. But due to in part because of that, the Phillies have kind of pulled away a little bit in the wild-card race. Of course, there's still a lot of baseball left to play, so you can't really rule anything out yet. But the Phillies, they're definitely hot right now. Uh, took care of business against the Royals this weekend. Three out of four. Usually you got to try and go for the split. I think a lot of us said going into this that we want to see the Marlins get the split. That would do well heading into Texas, which was a series. A lot of us were sure that they, they would lose. But ultimately, disappointing um, series loss. And the only win came in extras where, like Eli said, had to bail out David Robertson after a home run he allowed. So, Kevin... You were there for one game this series or two? I was there for that crazy extra innings game. So All right. well, let's get your thoughts on, on that series briefly. That was it was a disappointing series, I would say. I think Miami could have easily taken two out of two out of four in this series. They could have split. Um obviously you you, you could make the argument where Sandy uh you know, you could have left him in there. Obviously, he was probably the best one, the best option. But then you can make the other argument where David Robertson is someone who has been traded to be in this situation. You brought him in for this specifically, you know, to shut down the door. So it's it's hard to take one side or another when it comes to that. But, you know, it was a tough loss there. And, and obviously, I, I believe that was a three to two game, something like that. Miami obviously could have given Sandy some more run support in that start. And then we look at that while the, the crazy extra innings game, that was just bizarre. It shows you that it really, that was like one of those encouraging games where, you, you know, you had the trade deadline, the trade deadline acquisitions, you have Berger, you have Bell. So you have a little more depth on, on your bench. You have Birdie Kenny, you know, coming in late in the game as a pinch hitter. And he's been the hottest hitter, at, you know, for Miami coming out of the all-star break. So, you know, now that was just one of those wild games. The bullpen kind of came in; they shut it down too, for the most part. Um, Tanner Scott came in clutch in that in the ending there. I believe he shut out the side or he struck out two, had a ground ball, and then obviously Miami was able to walk it off. Uh, and, and I actually do want to get your opinions, both of you, because I don't know if you realize this: Craig Kimbrell does not have pitch comp, so I believe this was the explanation where he he, he did like an intentional balk to move Jazz to third, and that the grounder basically scored Jazz to put Miami within one. So do you guys kind of think that in like some sort of case that kind of cost the game for, for Philadelphia in that sense where 
they're down by they're up by two. Craig Kimbrell moves Jazz to third with the intentional block, and he's able to score, making it a one one score game. And then obviously, what happened happened. Well, I would say if you've been following Kimbrell's season, that was that's part of the package with him. It's when there's a good base runner on second behind him to uh, to do that because he has his adjustment to the new rules this year has been. He's he's been actually been executing his pitches pretty well, but it's been the other ancillary stuff that's been like getting under his skin a little bit. What tied the game was I think it was Josh Bell in that inning hit a, a rope that went straight through Trey Turner or whoever was at shortstop in that moment. That was what added the second run that equalized it and extended the game further on. So that is ultimately what made the difference is the hard contact against Kimbrel, which he's usually pretty good at uh, keeping under control. Yeah, with that, that was a fascinating game. Uh, I guess we could dive in as much as we want, but to me, the bigger picture here is the Jekyll and Hyde nature of this offense. Even going back to last week, if you look at these individual games, going back to the Detroit series, I'll give you one at a time, the run totals that the Marlins have put up. Six runs, zero, eight, two, one, nine, two, two, eight, zero. I That is, there's nothing in between. It is so uncharacteristic of this team where for most of the year, every game is three runs, right? It's three runs or maybe it's four runs. And that has been far different. Even though you see now the upside this lineup has when everything is clicking, you've seen it now several times. There's also all these days where it's kind of baffling how they're not putting anything together whatsoever. And that is why they've been losing the majority of these games because it's once every series where the offense puts it together and every other game they're scraping to get anything done. That's what's been uh, really confusing. It means it puts a lot of pressure on them to win every single game where they put up those big numbers. And if you just want to look at this Rangers series, that's why that's the difference between a sweep and losing two out of three. And it's easier to stomach losing two out of three. And they don't win the middle one because the one day that their offense actually puts it together is when he had some questionable pitcher usage there that made it too much to overcome. All right. We'll keep it there on the topic of the Rangers series. I think enough has been said about Phillies as far enough in the past. But the wound is fresh right now. Just got swept by the Rangers. The largest loss of the season today in terms of how many runs they lost by. We'll keep it with Eli here. Pre-deflating series. Scored some runs yesterday, but Adolis Garcia and crew just absolutely combattered the Marlins. He might not be there. So, Kevin, give us your thoughts on this this past weekend. Yeah, that was a that was a tough series. Uh, I think it's the easiest way to put it. Miami had an opportunity in that little game of the, of the series. They were up five zero at one point, and they ended up losing, I believe, nine eight. If I'm correct, uh, with the burger home uh, right at the end of that game. Miami got shut out in the third game. Uh, just a very disappointing series overall. Miami, it felt like Miami. I, at the first game, they were kind of in it with Texas. I mean, obviously, I think it began with Miami scoring first. Then you had a home run by Birdie in there, and, and, and Miami kind of was holding it down. But, uh, again, burnt bullpen. Miami just wasn't able to get anything going after those first two runs. And just just a tough offensive series overall. And you, you would think that, you know, if Miami was facing the – the best pitchers on, on in that Rangers staff, and not really. You were facing Andrew Heaney, who just to start before had a good outing, and was able to get back-to-back great outings against Miami. And aside from that, 
really just a tough series. Um, Josh Bell, for the most part, was good. Berger obviously had the home run. I believe he had a hit as well. Avi Garcia continues to hit the ball pretty well. He had, I believe, a hit today. And then Sandy, I guess, today, just uh, despite the seven strikeouts, he, he allowed three home runs. And I think Daniel, you know, who, who we were talking about on stream, he said Texas is going to hit the ball out of the ballpark. And they certainly did. I think they combined for eight home runs in the span of three games. Ten, I believe. Ten, even worse. So, yeah, I watched and that was Dolis Garcia. And Dolis Garcia just absolutely wrecked this pitching staff. That guy's one of the best in baseball. And man, it was it was a tough series for Miami. Obviously, were we expecting a sweep? I don't think anyone was. I think to a certain degree, some of us were expecting Miami to take at least one. <laughs> you know, given the fact that you had Sandy on for that third game, and you know, if Miami would have taken that middle game. Man, you were you maybe were expecting you know Miami to maybe steal the series there with Sandy, but Texas is a really good team from top to bottom. All those guys are productive hitters. I guess your worst hitter in this sense by WRC plus, I believe it was Robbie Grossman, who had like an eighty something WRC plus, which still isn't bad, but you know, obviously, and also sucks to see about um, Josh Young. He had I believe he fractured his thumb on that line drive by Soler where he was taken out of the game immediately. But yeah, Texas lineup. Very, very good from top to bottom. And I will not lie to you. There were some relievers on that team I had never heard of, but those guys got it done for them. And it's been working for them for the most part this season. Also, you had Chapman in there, Will Smith. That's a really good team. They're, they're going to be one of the best. They're, they're going to go deep in the playoffs. And it makes sense why they are at the top of the AL West. My prediction is the AL pennant winner will be from the state of Texas this year. I don't know which one, but the Rangers are pretty good. I think they had the best deadline of anyone. So, Amazing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jamont and uh, Scherzer. And go back. I mean, they're, they're missing. They got Chapman. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. I, guess, I mean, that's technically not even a deadline move, but what an acquisition that was there. Um, I mean, they're missing Jonah Heim right now, too. And like you said, Young is now hurt, but they're deep. They're, they're going to figure it out 100%. Uh, I'm not too worried about them. We'll go ahead to, uh, I guess, sort of the week now, but we'll talk to uh, – Talk about the big storyline entering tomorrow, as long as tomorrow's game gets played. Yuri Perez is back. Miami needs a spark badly. Relying on a 20-year-old for a spark is not something I thought we would be at. 14 games over 500, not too long ago. But this is an all-important series coming up, one that he gets to pitch in. But we'll talk about him being able to come back first. Didn't really pitch too much down in A before uh, this call up didn't really get the opportunity to get stretched back out, but hopefully he was still warm, I guess, uh, with, with that month off. But made his MLB debut against the Reds. We'll get to make his return game against them. Barry's back. Kevin, you wrote about it. What, what do we think here? Yeah. Uh, this is I, I, funny enough. We were on a space signed by Noble Meyer when this happened, so we had to shift the gears there. But yeah, um, this is a panic. This is one of those moves where they need pitching. They need someone who they know will give them a chance to win, and that's the case with Yuri. But I do want to kind of go through the timeline of how this all went down. He was called up on May 10th. He made 11 starts, and he was sent down, I want to say June, right before the All-Star break, June 6th or 7th. July. You're talking about July July 7th. Okay, July 7th. And he did not make a single start until July 26th. And then he made another one on August 1st. The first one, he went 2.1 innings, and the other one, he went 3.1 innings. From July 
20, from July 7th to July 26th, all he did was throw bullpens and probably not live PP if I'm, if I'm sure about that. So I just think it was horribly mismanaged on that end. He now comes back up um, and is going to come help the team. He's going to pitch a huge game for Miami. What it, you know, in this case, Cincinnati, who Grant, we, you know, we've been talking about it. They have not played the best baseball since the all-star break and not, and even the trade deadline, I think even worse. So if there's a serious mind, you really need to take it to this one. Yuri's going to come in. I believe he's still under every restriction possible, but I, I think that this was done a little bit earlier than they expected. And obviously Craig, who's in here, probably tell us more about it, but I, I, the expectation was the Yankees for Friday. I mean, right. that's what that, that expectation was. Yeah. And you know. if there was any doubt that this, this was a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A, a gut move, a really sudden change. They tonight, Pensacola called up Colin Lau or Colin Lowe. I don't even know how to pronounce his name. He's a former undrafted free agent that is starting in his place tonight. And he did, he did all right, but he's, he was called up very suddenly. He'd never pitched at double A before. And just a coincidence that he comes up for this day to like fill in in a starter role, just because they needed the innings in place of a, uh, with Yuri coming up. So yeah, this next game, I don't think it's an understatement to say it's the most pivotal game of this Marlins season so far. So much of, turning this around hinges on him being an upgrade over the current uh, mess that they've had in their final rotation spot. Uh, he's not fully, fully stretched out yet because they expedited the whole rehab process. Uh, but his stuff looked pretty good uh, despite the numbers during these tune up starts. Yeah. So let's, yeah, we're going to find out what he's got and he's going to go against a team that even though it's, it's a pitcher friendly park. It's a team that they're going against in the wild card race. It's an overachieving team. The Reds have been just as awful as the Marlins have been the last few weeks. It is an even matchup in terms of teams that are trending in the wrong direction. Good friend Craig Mish has requested to speak. Kevin kind of called upon him as we talk about the other Terra's news. Craig, he did break the news. He was coming back. Um, what are your thoughts about this being, you know, kind of a desperation move for Miami and, and wake of this losing skid that rock? Guess he's not there, but Yuri, um, as we all know. Sorry, guys. No, you're good. Nope. You're good. Go ahead. Well, Kevin asked me to speak, so what am I supposed to do? Just say no. Right. No, go yeah. ahead. Right. Right. Yours. I'll take that. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. No, look, it's, I just the reason why I want to is just because I know that this has got to be a really tough thing for you guys to do this tonight after they're playing so poorly. So, um, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I think Kevin's a little strong saying it's like a panic move. 
Um, I do know for a fact that this was planned for him to return this week. As far as if, if, if you want to make the statement that they're bringing him back maybe one start early, maybe that's fair. But I believe all along their plan was to bring him back this weekend against the Yankees. So, I mean, maybe bringing him back one, one game sooner could be at play. But they, I don't think that they knew that that Edward Cabrera was going to do what he did in his last start. And I don't, I don't even know that he went down as much as it was performance as opposed to his, you know, sort of, you know, laissez-faire attitude after the game. I think that's kind of more of, of why Cabrera's not in the big league. So I, I think it kind of forced their hand. And, um, you know, the way the way that honestly, guys, the way that I was thinking, I mean, I don't know if Eli, if you guys ever touched on this or whatever, look, hindsight's twenty twenty, but hadn't even had the inkling that they were going to get smashed so bad by Texas. I may have pitched Sandy tomorrow and Uri on Tuesday. You know, it's like they're, they're getting set up for the situation here with Cueto and Garrett going against Cincinnati. So, I mean, to me, that's maybe a bigger conversation to have is why that's happening. And, um, and so anyway, I mean, I just wanted to make clear on that one. Like, I, I think, Kevin, you're a little strong on that, saying that they're panicking. Are they panicking by bringing him up five days early? Maybe so. But I would ask you guys, like, who, who is a better option to bring up when you don't have Edward Cabrera? Like, is, would it be somebody else, Monteverdi or something? I don't, I don't know the answer to that. Maybe you guys would know better than me. But that he's, he's coming up as a result of them sending Cabrera down. They, they, just, they don't have anyone else to pitch. So what I'll say is, I guess I agree with you that it, the timing would be good for him to pitch Friday. I, I don't even hate him pitching tomorrow. The projected starters were, correct me if I'm wrong, Braxit was supposed to be tomorrow. Wait, everyone gets Lizardo, a day back. Yeah. Wednesday. Yeah, everyone gets pushed a day back. So you eliminate Lazardo starting against Cincinnati, which I guess that doesn't do much. He has gotten smacked on the road this year. But Gary, I feel confident against, with him against the Reds. And you've got Braxton, who's a lefty, and Cincinnati hits lefties pretty well, from what I remember. Eli might be able to correct me on that. I feel like they do. And you've got Cueto Wednesday, who pitches very well in that ballpark. So it's it's an intriguing pitching lineup. I don't think it makes too much of a difference, but it really just depends on would you have rather have a preference of Lozardo or Yuri in this series, I guess. Right. I, I mean, look, the, the, just the overall thing is it really doesn't matter. They're not playing well. They got swept by the Cardinals in St. Louis. They got swept by the Orioles in Baltimore. They got swept by the Rangers in Texas. You know, they were fortunate to win two out of three from Detroit. Um, you know, the Phillies series, they should have lost three out of four one way or the other. I heard you guys talking about it. You know, you give them that give them that game that Robertson gave up the home run, they could have lost that crazy game too. So, they, you know, they should have lost three out of four there. And, and in the end... It was a lot of fun. The first half of the season was great. You know, they were 14 games over 500, but, you know, 12-0 and 0 against Oakland, Kansas City, and Washington, guys. I mean, really. I mean, in the end, you know, those those they, they destroyed the worst teams in baseball this year, and, they, and you have to beat those teams. But they're really having a hard time against good teams. <laughs> That's just all there is to it. And they're going to play a lot more of them in, in August. And the Cubs have caught them. And don't look at the Cubs schedule the next three weeks because the, the, the Cubs could win 90% of their games in the, in, in the month of August. So it's going to be really tough. Craig, I do want to ask you, while Yuri didn't pitch between the time he got called, sent back down to he made that first start, did he throw against live hitters at all? Or was it just straight bullpens? I mean, from what you know. 
I never have asked that. I, I think. Okay. I don't think he was. He, he the first week that he that he um, the first week that they sent him down, he never went to Pensacola. He he stayed in in South Florida and worked out at. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember or you've heard you've heard me probably mention his name before. Ron Yacoub, who used to work for the Marlins, who now owns Pinecrest Physical Therapy. So, oddly enough, <laughs> he was sort of doing like throwing and physical therapy work at Pinecrest uh, Physical Therapy for a week before he was even throwing. So, I mean, I don't know if that's reported or not, but that's that's what happened. Okay. Hi, Craig. How are you today? Good. Sorry, Alex, I couldn't make your your thing last night. No, you're fine. No, you're fine. We were just talking about me and Kevin were talking about. My I, I I just I'm not going to be here in a long time because I got to go to Publix. But, but, but I, I just, you know, again, I, I know, I, I know that this is like probably like ground zero as far as like, you know, since the beginning of the season when they went one and four, but you don't go from 14 games over 500 to three and, and they may end up, by the way, just losing a lot the rest of the season and, mm-hmm. and not make it. I mean, th- that's very possible. Yeah, but, but the silver lining in this whole thing, and I'm not a silver linings person, as everybody knows, is I still would ask you. Back in March, the Marlins are three games over 500. They're a half game out of the wild card. How many people out of the, you know, 100 or 200 or 500 people listening to this would take that right now? Every single person would take it. It's just it's just the problem is, is that everybody got so greedy when they were 14 games over 500 thinking that that was going to be real. I tried to tell all of you guys and girls at the time that this was happening, subtly, that it was a bunch of voodoo. I mean, I said it a million times, the way that they were winning those games, it was just not sustainable. But I think people really thought that that was, that was a sustainable thing. So, I mean, I, this is not I told you so. This is just reality. They won. I mean, I think it was you, Kevin, that I sat with in the press box when they were like 10 games over. And I'm like, hey, man, or maybe it was Isaac. And I was like, somebody needs to do a story on the insane way that the Marlins have won five or six games this year. Like, insane ways like this just doesn't happen yeah yeah it's unfortunate i mean i think i think fortunate fortunate are you kidding like they were they were like the luckiest team of all time in the first half they won insane games the way the white Sox game the padres game the angels game the a's game kansas city like i mean you could keep going and 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 the only the only unfortunate part of all this and it's it's the, the only thing that i would say that you know, my criticism now that I wonder if you look back, and I and I think another, you know, I don't write as much as you guys do, but another great column to write would be looking back at the first half of the season and asking yourself, in some of those insane wins, this is going to sound crazy, but was it worth it? Was it worth it using Puck and using Floro and using Nardi and using Brazaban and using you know Char- Charguar as much as they did to get to this point? where now they can't use them at all. And I think that that's a fair question um, for this right now because I, I, I think looking back on it, if, if I told you Puck and Floro were still the best one-two combination in baseball after May and they were still that right now, would you would you uh, take three wins away from the Marlins standings and say that's okay with me? I think everybody would to know that that is. 
there's nobody feels right now after seven innings that they're going to win the game anymore. Yeah, and and, and uh, that to me is is where we're at, and I think, and I personally think one of the bigger stories of the season. Um, yeah. Look, I, I I don't disagree. Um, they've the availability of pitching has been an issue. With that being said, I wanted to ask you one question before you go. Uh, maybe you guys already talked about this. Maybe I'm late on this, but. With Perez coming back, as you've reported, um, he's pitched, what, 5.2 innings in Pensacola. So what's realistic to expect from him in starts? It's the same thing, 80 pitches? Like, is that is that what's realistic to expect? Yes. Got it. I guess my last question before we'll, we'll send you out to Publix would be... What, I, gotta go, listen, I gotta buy bread. I ran out of bread. I gotta buy... Strawberries. We bought a bunch. They weren't good. I got to go buy it. My wife's making me go buy strawberries again. And uh, my son, he eats chicken nuggets. Hayes, you guys know him. He loves to eat these chicken nuggets. And I'm running low on chicken nuggets here, you know? So, you know, I, I guess a lot. Don't most people go public shopping on Sunday night anyway? I hate going on Sunday night. Yeah, that, uh, that's why I always go early in the morning on weekends. It's, I know, I know. But, but, you know, Hayes had hitting practice this morning at 9. We were on the field at nine. We hit till ten, and um, then I had a bunch of other stuff to do. And then I watched the game. And so, you know, of course, my wife's like, "You realize we have like no chicken nuggets." You know what that means? She's not telling me to go to public. She just told me without telling. Me. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin's sitting here wondering what we're all talking about. Actually, like making trips to Publix to buy food. He's, yeah, he hasn't done that yet in his life. Anyway, no, just he, like, used like, he used to work there. He used to work. I used to work Publix. I know, but. He, I'm just kidding. Anyways, um, I get instant fried. I don't even go to the damn store anymore. But, yeah, Grant, go ahead. Uh, I just got back from Florida, so I had a chicken head there uh, the other day. Excellent. Love them. All right. Anyways, my question will be on the topic of, of uh, bullpen usage. Because of the way Skip's decisions have been recently, a lot of people have been a little more critical of them. And the weather's decision yesterday left a lot of people puzzled. How much do you think okay. after usage is playing yeah. him? So, maybe so, okay. these decisions? So, so I'm going to so – i t- tell you a couple things, and I'll take you behind the curtain a little bit. So, what, what, I, what I, uh, I, I don't have an explanation on yesterday yet, so let me start with that, okay? But I will, I will assure you that I will get one at some point, but I do not have one at this moment. It, it, is, it is really hard. Uh, so, so, I have, I think everybody knows by now it's fair to say that I have some direct relationships with people in the organization, right? We would all agree. But, but when you're getting your ass kicked, it's really hard for me to ask about what the hell's going on and why did you leave David Weathers in or uh, Ryan Weathers in, excuse me. So, so I'll get, I, I will get to that point. But what I would say in knowing Skip the way that I do is that I can, I, and I don't know this for a fact, maybe I'm wrong and I will come back and I will guarantee you, almost guarantee that something was up with someone in the bullpen that we don't know about as of yet. I, I can almost guarantee it because because I am in agreement with all of you. I'm watching it happen. My wife, right before I came on with you guys, she was like, "What? When are we going to find out what happened with Weathers and why he's what they left him in the whole time?" I'm like, "You know what? I, I will. I will find out because it, it didn't smell right." I was texting with somebody at the time. I'm like, I, "Maybe they don't have enough guys, or you know, we were trying to map out the seventh, the eighth, the ninth. Maybe if they need the tenth, they're not going to have it." But sometimes. I, I sent this message out. Sometimes we don't know who's not feeling good. And, and the Marlins are not going to give a competitive advantage to the other team by telling me or somebody else to say, hey, look, oh, yeah, by the way, going into tonight, guess what? Uh, you know, Pocky, uh, his, his pinky's hurt and he's not going to be able to go. 
Like, why would they do that? So that is my only assumption, Grant, on, on why Weathers was in there. I understand Nordy pitched today. Uh, you know, Robertson, who knows? I, 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 am, I would almost guarantee you that we don't know something that's going on there. That's what I would say. Some, somebody was unavailable. Somebody wasn't feeling well. Somebody couldn't go. Because other than that, there's very little explanation for why he was in there right to the end and then Brazavan came in and finished it out. How, how long was it before he even, like, before he pitched last for the Padres? Probably a while, right? Because I know they, they had lined him in up. The big leagues, exactly. it was the, it was the, in the big leagues, it was the 15th of July. Jeez. Almost okay, like last okay. appearance in AAA, he gave a five runs to the Texas Rangers AAA team. Right. So, so, so like the, like, and, and also the other part of this too, and this is no indictment on reporting or anything. It's just the truth. And, and, and I'll indict reporting when it needs to be, but we, we generally as, as individuals, unless it's privately and, and I, I, I can only speak for myself, don't really publicly talk to the relievers a lot. When you think about it, it's usually after a blown save, you know, think about it. Like when do, yeah. when do the guys talk, the relievers after they lose, right? Like no one goes up to, uh, you know, Tanner Scott when he holds the game in the seventh inning and says, Hey, like, uh, you did a good job. Like, no, no one ever does that. So how would we know that somebody is not feeling good or not available because on all teams, even the Yankees reporters are not going up to those guys during it. So like, like Sherguar is a really good example. I think he's on the injured list, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm pretty sure that this that that Chaguar has been hurt for a while now. I'm pretty sure that he has just not. I believe, that, yeah, it was like right that, he, that he has just not been feeling right. I'm pretty sure. How would we know that? While two weeks ago, how would we have any clue? No one would know unless you asked him. You somebody texted him or somebody knew that. And why would the Marlins or why would Skip or Mel or Kim or anyone else say? Publicly, hey guys, all right, uh, yeah, we're, we're, you know, why would they go on the broadcast? Paul Severino, yeah, I can't wait till we get to the eighth inning, but well, Shakar, he's not going to pitch, he's not feeling so good. But anyway, I hope the game goes. No, they would never say that. They're not going to give a competitive advantage to another team, and every team does this. So until I get the explanation on that, I think everyone is being way too over the top on this weather's thing. You, I think you have the right to be critical of it because it's, it was a crazy scenario. But all I'm saying is that not everything is out there in the public. Like, there's a lot of things that people don't know that go on every day, uh, you know, with the Major League Baseball team. And so, you know, unfortunately, they don't have a – they can't really have the voice to do it and, and say it. So I feel like maybe I'm saying it for them. But I I, I, I would I would just ask, like, like to, to wait to find out what exactly happened there. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. All right, before we go, I do want to ask you, what were, what were your thoughts on the media softball games? Since we also have Danny Alvarez listening, you know. Well, you know, I got to say that I definitely was very confident going in um, and very disappointed going out. I think I was the first one to walk off the field at the end. Uh, Danny's team, they they murdered us. It was not close. It was it was embarrassing. They they were very together, you know, whooping it up. We were just out there, you know. Uh, we had the guy, you know, Mike Cunio from Channel Four. After the first inning, he just left. He went to a Zoom call. Josh Moser, the anchor on Channel Seven, he ran the first. He pulled his hamstring and missed the rest of the game. So I'm not saying that it was because of injuries or anything like that, but like we were just really outmanned and outplayed. As far as I was concerned, I got three at bats. I got hey, you did well, yeah. 
I got two hits. Uh, I did fall, which nobody was able to capture on video except for me, which no one will see. I'm I glad have, I saw it in person. Yeah, I fell. I did fall. I didn't know where the plate was because they didn't use home plate, so I went and the, the plate went up and I fell down. And then there was a ball the second base that was hit to me, and I ran the other way. I have no idea why. I still don't know. It was kind of hit to me. And then Jason Latimer, uh, you know, public relations, was like, you do realize that ball was hit right to you, and you just ran the other way. I'm like, yes, I realize that now. So, um I, I was, I'm 50 years old. I was older than 90% of the people there, and I held my own. There was a few of you guys from Fish on First, but very low representation, I felt, uh, from Fish on First. Young guys, you guys should have all been out there. I don't know what happened. <laughs> we tried, Craig. We tried. In fact, uh, yeah, we. you have no idea how much internal conversation there was about having more reps, but that was that's the call from the comms team. That was their choice. It was it was the Marlins. Yeah. That, that, that really? Yes, limiting okay. to two right. people. Well, then I take it back. Then I take it back. Then shame on uh, shame on them for not letting that happen. Why Why do you think you guys got got Kevin? Like, why do you think you guys got who, who else did you got? Kevin and Kevin, Noah? Kevin played for the other team. Yeah. You guys got Kevin and Noah because they they can't they can't have all of us out there. Come on, it'd be unfair. I, I you know honestly I didn't really think anybody played uh, great great or poor it just was as a team go danny the team that danny had was just you know they were just far superior and then the other thing too is is our outfield i, I mean I, they were playing so close to the infield they just kept hitting it over their head like i, I don't know. i hate a homer dude that I, I don't care if they're playing bad or well or bad i hate a homer that's all <laughs> look, look this is one of those times where i'm not i, I have nothing to say you, you, you guys absolutely kicked our ass like that's it you know, like, you know we had leadership you guys had no leadership and we were bonding and we were together. we were like the first you, half you really were you guys all had the like, red shirts we, you know it was nice you know but we, we just i mean you i mean jorge abro he's like 78 years old you guys beat us you know it's too embarrassing jorge, jorge abro to be fair he's your age how old so, is he He's your age, so that has he's to make 50? you. No, he's older than me. Stop. He's fifty, and that has to he's make 50? you he looks way like better. He's seventy, he couldn't even walk. No, that's the thing that has to make you feel way feel way better about yourself. So we even had to be. I mean, for Ebro next year, we're gonna need him to hit and then have someone running for him. He couldn't even walk, so I was the oldest one out there, Danny. Probably yes. How about that? Yeah. Anyway, but, but you but you would say in fairness to me that I did not look my age. I look no, better. absolutely. The, the only the only thing that I would thank you for is that when you got out of the way when Napoli hit a grounder. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. That set the table for me so I could hit my homer. Oh, yeah, I, 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 I the last out. <laughs> then I thought, you, you know what it was? I thought I was at first. At my, mentally, I thought it was at first. That's what I happened. I, I just don't know what happened. It's funny because the Levatar guys were streaming that and they made a whole good video of it. And oh, they got my grounder. They got my grounder and all of that. And, and it ended up being great for us. I have to I know. say, we were so it was a Andy, it was Andy Slater looked really like DLC running the bases in twenty. Well, listen, I, I didn't want to say anything bad about Andy, but yeah, Andy, Andy, he's our, he's your guy, he's my guy, but man, he really helped us that last year with his the worst base running. You, he had. had he had a horrendous base running mistake. Yeah, he ran yeah. to third. We're down five runs. He ran to third base on a ground ball and started yelling, yelling at the umpire. Yeah, no, yeah. But I, I, I don't think we would have won anyway, but. 
in, in yeah. fairness. In fairness for, next, yes. for next year, my suggestion would be, since there are many people playing, I mean, I had 17 guys in my lineup. Like, it was impossible to make that lineup. Um, <laughs> maybe more teams, since they should let all the fish, all the hot stars are fish on first guys play. So they should have their own team. And if you have like three or four different teams, and you do like a mini series, and then you have a winner. We could make it like the Caribbean series or something. Exactly, like, like the Caribbean. Oh, that's there a great idea. The Caribbean series. Look, I, look, I'm all, I'm all for the idea. I just don't know that I would be able to hold. I mean, to hold up for a double header, Danny. I don't know that I would be able to do that. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, 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 I was down in bed for like two days after that. You can have Hayes swap in for you. Oh, well, that's he was true. There. He was there. He was there. But yeah, he it was, was there. And, and, and it was good. But Luis Zavala's daughter, who plays D one softball, almost pitched and hit. I was really scared about that. Like, yeah, no, she's uh, she's she's very good. But Louis couldn't even run either. He couldn't run the first base either. That's true. And then he blamed all of you. So that's why I. That's why I'm saying like we did not deserve to win. There was not one last We yeah. we had no. There was no point in the game where I thought that that we were going to win. You guys. Without a doubt, we're, we're the superior team to us. Yeah. But I feel, you know, I feel much better now knowing that I'm the oldest guy out there, and I got yeah. So, so the other thing is, I think some guys maybe they are listening to this. When Josh Moser posted the the rosters, they said, "Oh, oh the red team, the replacement players. Oh, the blue team's gonna win by a mile and whatever." It's like never underestimate. I mean, <laughs> Jeremy said. There were a lot of Franciscos, Daniels, Julios. That's a Latin team that that never goes <laughs> good for, for the white guys. So I'm like, yeah, of course. Listen, I, so that's what I was thinking, but I'm not, I'm not going to say that. But that's what I was. I, I I had a feeling once I saw you guys warming up. I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> we even had. I mean, we were warming up. We had chance. We had choreographies. You know, like like the Marlins players when they get to first and they do the swimming thing with the hand. We had our own celebration. We've been practicing that for weeks now. No, look, I, I we were I, ready. Look, you, I deserve all the heat. What am I going to say? But I would tell you that we'll pr- next year we will practice and and hopefully and hopefully do better. But uh, at least be. I held my own. See, I, I am on the treadmill every day to be able to do something like that. <laughs> I'm serious. I do it every single day without fail because I know that something's going to come up where I may embarrass myself in life. Yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, I look, my son plays on the travel team, and sometimes I help out. I don't want to be in the outfield. I can't run. So I, I use my legs a lot. That's true. That's true. Well, that's your assignment for next year. Maybe okay. we can make it different and have a different different team, and we can play together. But that's it. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, guys, listen, thank you for having me. I'm sorry to interrupt and jump in, but... You know, I respect the work that you guys are doing and being available for, you know, all the fans out there. And, you know, I am definitely not the half full guy as it pertains to the Marlins and it pertains to baseball. But I do think that, and even if they get swept by the Reds, I do think that perspective is needed here, that where they are at this moment right now, it was a dream, a dream at the beginning of the season to think that this could possibly be. So, and I'm not, and they, and they could lose 10 in a row. But where they stand right now, Arizona lost again. Uh, San Francisco's losing to Oakland. I mean, like, they're, they're literally, like, one five-game winning streak from being – I don't think they're going to get the first or second wild card. I think that's done. But they are one 
quick winning streak from really being third. Like it's it's really right there for them. So I just you know a little perspective. That's all. All right, guys. Absolutely. Hey, thank you very much for coming on. That was a good surprise appearance. Yeah. Thank you, Craig. All right, we've got Craig here, Danny. Of course, you're welcome to stay as always. But we'll briefly go over week ahead here. Um, we'll have Fish Stripes member or Fish on First members. Wow. Oh, Cardinal Sin. Two times in the last three days. We had Kevin on Friday on the stream, and then we have you yeah. today. That, that needs to come out of uh, come out of their commission, Eli. I'm, I'm going to put that. Out of my... That comes out of revenue sharing, if you say, yeah. if you say that. Yeah, all right. We're going to have Fish on First, guys, at every single game this week. It's also because it's my first series covering as a fish on first member we were fish stripes at the beginning of the year i will be there the next three days in cincinnati i don't know what yankees coverage looks like but we'll certainly have people there this red series is probably the most important series of the year the reds have not won since the deadline a deadline where they only acquired one middle reliever when they desperately needed pitching i've been pretty critical of what they're doing down there at great american ballpark uh if there was ever an opportunity for the marlins to, to get it going now is the time your guys' thoughts ahead on both the Reds and Yankees series coming up. I guess more of an emphasis on, on the Reds because that, the opportunity is there. They got the same win percentage, I believe. I'm just still thinking about Kevin leading into the live stream by saying the, uh, the other name of the outlet that we used to you know, do work for. That was that was a that was an all time Kevin Brawl moment right there. It was, but as Grant was saying, this is a huge series. The Reds haven't been good. I think they've been probably worse than Miami to a certain degree when when it comes to just, you know, since that deadline. But, yeah, you have Yuri, you have Braxton, and then you have Johnny Cueto making his return to Great American Ballpark. So, huge series. Miami needs to really get it going. Josh Bell going back to the NL Central, which he dominated for a couple of years with with the Pirates. Um, You know, if there's a series that Miami really needs to get, it's this one. I believe last time they went to Great American, it didn't go too well. It was a split. It was split his homer there. Yeah. The last time they were there, last year, stakes weren't quite as high. The Reds were absolutely terrible last year. The Marlins were met. It was a split for a four-game series. But the Marlins have struggled at Great American. Of course, I know this because I've been there for pretty much every single game they played as of late. 2019, got swept. 2020, didn't play there. 2021, got swept. 2022, split at the ballpark they struggled in but that was under Don Mattingly so Skip Schumacher who did retire Cincinnati Red will have the chance to right the ship that the only thing I'll say is that looking just slightly past the Red series and yes I think they do definitely need to do well against the Reds to continue to have much of a, a fighting chance here to um continue to stay in the race I think it's getting down to the time where it's like you know, um, you can't lose too many more series, you know, when it when it comes down to staying in this. Because as Craig was saying about the Cubs, a couple of other teams that are behind them as well, like, things are easier for them and a little harder for the Marlins. So, you know, you, you have to really look at each series as, okay, you at least got to get two games uh, right. So what I would say is that they do need a big series against Cincinnati, but we saw in the Tiger series that they wasted a very good opportunity to make believers out of their local community. Uh, out of casual fans, and they're going to have a second opportunity to right that ship and get that right against the Yankees. Um, they're going to have alumni in the building. It looks like Beckett and others are going to be there. Of course, you're going to have Yankee fans, even though Yankees aren't doing particularly well right now. Um, but you're going to have Yankee fans in that building as well. You're going to get big crowds probably for all three games in that series, 
this is another great opportunity for the Marlins in that Yankee series, which I'm sure we'll talk about here in the future, probably next week. But this is another great opportunity for the Marlins to um, create uh, more of a belief out of this fan base, especially from casual fans. You so I really want to see them do well in that series. I thought you were good. You, there was something you didn't say that I completely thought you were going to say about uh, being more present with the community. John Carlos Stanton does return, and he has a real chance of hitting 400 home runs this series, I believe. Is he at 395 right now on his career? I saw someone talking about it on Twitter the other day. But either way, he's on a tear right now. He's in one of those Stanton stretches where he just threw nothing well, but are- Well, I want to step in. His power is still there. Uh, everything else is not. He is – yeah, including his – it was – Um, he is – he's missed – a lot of time this year. He's missed about a month and a half of the season, if not a little more than that prior to coming back. And he's not running. Like he's not, it's the strangest thing just watching him the other day where he got on second base with two outs and the hit goes to the outfield. And he's like uneasy. They're unable to actually run or just simply they don't want him running whatsoever. He's such a, he's a super one dimensional player right now. Like this year and last year, OPS in the mid 700s for Giancarlo Stanton, one of the best for the best offensive player in, in Marlins history. And he's been reduced to this point where he's a league average hitter um, who doesn't do anything else besides hitting occasional home runs. Um, still with how many years? Four more years left on the contract beyond this year. Um, even though he still looks the same, he still passes the eye test and he still hits the ball as hard as ever. As kind of everybody, happens to almost everybody you know the rest of your skill set gets diminished over time this is not the same type of player that was even here the last time the yankees played at lone depot which was did, did they do, i don't think they did it last year i think it was 2021 where he came back um and he was still a great player on a per game basis there but finally they, they were when they made that trade the yankees thought they were going to be competing for world series titles the first half of that contract and as it turns out they hadn't even made it to a single World Series appearance during that time. And now dealing on the back end of that, they're as an overall team, they're not in much better shape than the Marlins are. Take Eli's words wisely there, everyone. That, that's a Yankees guy through and through. I would be 100% surprised if that Friday game were apparently it's going to be Yuri Perez. Um, I, it's, I, not, it's not. It's not. It's going to be Luzardo versus Nestor Cortez. Okay, when is when is Yuri? Did, did we find out? I don't. Uh, Sunday. Sunday against Jericho. Okay, fine. Okay, fine. So that's a pretty nice matchup right there. Um, Jericho against Yuri Perez. But I would be really surprised overall if all three of these games weren't nearly sellouts. I, I think these would be the biggest crowds of the year, even bigger than the um, Miguel Cabrera weekend. I think this is going to be the. The, the prime crowds that you're going to see from the Marlins, you're going to have a ton of media there. This is this is going to be a prime opportunity for the Marlins to, like I said, make believers out of this fan base and make believers out of more casual fans that they're for real. Uh, even though the Yankees are struggling, it's still the Yankees. Um, and if you can run Yankee fans out of that building with two out of three wins, that's going to show a bit to this fan base. Um, so, I mean, I, I really think this is a great opportunity for the Marlins to, to just um, – Really, like I said, just uh, get people bought into this team. Uh, they got to do it. You have to do it again. You have to get at least a better three against that team. All right, we're going to possibly sweep. You, yeah, you could possibly ahead. sweep very quickly, Grant. Sorry. I'm no, not you're There's good. a possibility. Carlos Rodon left with a hamstring injury, I believe, so it probably goes on the IL. He was slated to pitch that Saturday. You have Lozardo, Sandy, and Yuri going for that Yankee series. Man, 
And then you have Yuri Garrett Cueto going for, for Cincinnati, man. You could probably go on some type of winning streak here. This is a huge week for Miami when it comes to taking advantage. And they weren't able to do it with Colorado, and they barely did it with Detroit. You have to do it this this series, the next two series. I mean, you're, you're the better team in both of these upcoming series because you got to get ready for what Houston has to offer. I mean, you have Christian Javier, Hunter Brown, that type of rotation is really freaking good. And you know, Javier, Javier is smells right, right now. Yeah, but it's still Christian Javier. He, the stinks. he stinks right now. No, I see what you're saying, though. I see offense. Yeah. I see what you're saying. If there's ever been a uh, pitching staff to take advantage of, it's this week against Cincinnati. I mean, Brandon Williamson, Ben Lively, Graham Ashcraft. Ashcraft's been a lot better, like, the last month. He's been one of the better pitchers in baseball the last month, but Brandon Williamson and Ben Lively. You don't hit those guys. I don't know what to say. But anyways, to Alex's point, I was going to say, before we get to fan questions, about the fans, yes, they're going to put up big attendance numbers. I don't think there's going to be a lot of Marlins fans there, though. They're just not going to be a lot of them. Like, I get it's a good opportunity to to capitalize on more casual fans and convert them, but there are going to be some diehard pinstripe fans in that stadium this weekend. But, hey. Alumni weekend, you know, if you, if you win, you, you mute that point, you send those Yankee fans back to their retirement homes all around the state of Florida. Pretty sad. So we'll head into fan questions on that. This is the best part of the show. We took a little longer to get there. Surprise appearance from Craig. It happens. Um, it's actually never happened before. But first, before we get into I, was, I think it's second time it's happened. Yeah, we've, we've been doing this for like nine months now-ish, give or take. I think it's probably the second time. Two weeks ago, we scheduled him for that, that deadline talk. But anyways, yeah. with um, fan questions, we do want to pitch, though, before we get into it. Become a super subscriber, super follower, whatever you want to call it. It's all access to pitch on first everything you get. So look at the game notes before every game. I call those the Marlins Bible. I will be having printed out copies tomorrow. It's basically going to be like having the bible um we got prediction time uh a lot of our super subscribers have been doing really well in the predictions i think right now is the first time all year a super subscriber has held first place on the prediction category still not too late to get in on it winner gets uh we'll, we'll get a good prize you get to do fantasy sports leagues with us our good friend romeo won our fantasy football league last year we have our own separate super subscriber fantasy baseball league and with fantasy football coming up Maybe we do something there. Now's the time to subscribe. So just in case if we do end up doing something, you get a spot. And then uh, what What else we got? You get um, be a priority. You speak in these spaces. I don't know if there's anything else I forgot. Sure there is. But um, we'll go ahead and lead off with LMF. It's been the king of positivity this week. We appreciate Loud Marlins fan trying to keep everyone attacked, keep everyone focused. Big, big opportunity coming up this week. LMF's here. What do we got tonight? <laughs> Let's preach the positivity. No, this this week sucked. There's no way to spin that. But as you guys just said, kind of took the wind out of my sails. This week coming up should be one of those weeks where we should be able to win four of six in any way, shape, or form with the pitching that's lined up and Yuri coming back. I do have a question for y'all. My opinion is super biased. But Anthony Bass... Would he help this team if they signed him now? No, no. We, we can no. We can move on. No. Why? Yeah, not? no, no, no. I mean, not Chase, only, not, let's 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 be honest. More, more so about 
Skip is a rookie manager still. I will, I will say that. You know, there's going to be growing pains. Did his decisions lose the game yesterday? You could argue that. There's a good argument for it. But it's his first year as manager. He's pretty young. He's dealing with a team that a roster. And I don't mean to throw him under the bus. I think it's an average at best roster. Players can um, play very well at times. And I think he's done a really good job of maximizing those players' abilities. I mean, I don't think anyone really expected some consistent play from Brian De La Cruz over uh, multiple months of span, which he's kind of done over the last few months. We've all been pretty critical of calling him a streaky player, but Skip's found something that's worked with that particular player. He's been able to bring a lot, uh, the best out of a lot of guys. And I mean, Louisa Rice is having a career year with him, and you can attribute players succeeding and whatnot to other um, factors, but I think Skip's done a very good job with what's been given at hand. And if the Marlins do make the playoffs at this point, I believe he will win um, NL Manager of the Year. I think at least, I don't know. I mean, there's an argument to be said for a lot of different managers this year. It's going to be a really interesting race. But um, it's growing pains. He's got time. Is he on a three-year deal, I believe? Two Only two guaranteed years plus an option at the end. It's a very unusual situation. But I do want to touch on the idea of the lineup and to preach a little patience when it comes to that. Their lineup, they've had this close to full strength lineup together for two games. There were two games where Jazz was available and where Bell and Berger were both here. Two games. And then in the third one, Jazz got hurt very early on. We simply have not seen what it looks like when all these gears are together. In one of those games, they actually did put up, that was the game where they put up nine runs against the Phillies, one of the more exhilarating comebacks of the entire year. And it was uh, a combination of hitting homers, but also manufacturing runs later in those innings. I just have to preach patience about that. Um, it's been strange. It's been a strange sequence. We touched on this early in the show about how polar, uh, how bipolar this lineup has been, where it's a lot of games recently with two runs or fewer, or a lot of games where they really go off and there's been absolutely nothing in between. So I just preach a little bit more patience to find out exactly what they have. And I mean, hopefully if jazz is not okay, if jazz has to go on the IL, then man, that's another deflating setback. And from there, maybe, maybe Xavier Edwards gets his first opportunity there. There would be interesting adjustments to make from there, but ultimately to reach the ceiling that this team needs to reach and to potentially have a solid lineup for really the first extended stretch of the entire year, they're going to simply need guys like jazz to uh, stay healthy. And so far so good with, I think the new acquisitions I've been generally impressed with. I think there is a good combination of putting these players together if they can all actually be healthy and available at the same time. Um, three things, Eli, great points. One, the majors know that the Marlins are playing small ball bunt. So that means the pitching coaches of oppositions are telling that their pitchers just keep the ball on the ground. These Keep the ball in the zone and keep the ball on the ground. More than likely, these guys are not going to hit it over the fence. That's the majors adjusting 30 games ago. We were 21, uh, and in those 21 games, we had 16 wins. At that time, Luis Ariz, he was batting at the top, but the middle and the bottom of the order were producing, and he was still getting his hits, not driving in anyone. But the thing is, now that you have Jazz back, and now that you have Berger and um, Bell, you now have to retool who's going to be the one driving in runs. You have to do this as a head manager because your 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 day one is not day one anymore. 
Coop's um, Jane's gone. Jane's on a boat with girls. So the thing is, Mike, you're gonna he's gonna die because of this. He's gonna be naive and he's gonna be stubborn to whatever. Uh, it's an unfinished lineup to me. Like, and this, this second thing, we're batting number two in the NL, but the, like I said, the league knows we're hitting the ball all over the place with the people who have the opportunities to drive these runners in. We don't have them in the right spot. And number three, they know that, and so they're pitching to that. And so he's not making the adjustment in the lineup. That's what I mean, Eli. Yeah, understood. Yeah, we'll figure it is in particular the way that this team continues to hit the ball on the ground. And that includes guys like Josh Bell, unfortunately, where that has been a limitation on this lineup all year, where even when it feels like they have good scoring opportunities, um, they're the unevenness of actually lifting the ball as well. That has come back to bite them as well. And I think that continues to be an issue even in this past series in terms of hitting into double plays and, and all that stuff. But uh, if they can't, this next series is going to be so extremely telling. This Reds pitching staff in this ballpark in Cincinnati, if you can't get something going there, and um, then that's when you really reassess things. So I, I think that'll be these next three games are pretty pivotal um, for a whole variety of reasons. These next three games are going to tell us a lot. And if they don't go well, then you, you do have to make it. I agree. You'd have to make some pretty significant adjustments if for whatever reason they're not able to take advantage. Is that all you got? Yes, thank you guys. You do great work. Uh, continue to uh, let's do great. Mar- go Marlins. Amen to that. All right, we're going to go ahead and bring in Romeo, who is a super subscriber. Um, the goat. Yeah. Didn't bring you in first this week just because we, we have more requests than, than usual. We're going to try and get to everyone. Probably do a hard cutoff at nine. So. Um, and anyone who wants to get in, go ahead and get in. It's just whenever we do those two and a half hour spaces, it ends up getting pretty groggy towards the end. But Romeo, uh, what we got? Before I say anything, I'm gonna come to my mind Kevin's defense. Like I said, like two, three weeks ago, when you go on Twitch, it still says it's time for fish li- fish stripes live. It still says it. So, t- oh, <laughs> no way. Yeah, I, I thought I, I, I don't know. I thought I I'd fix that. I will take another look. You, when you brought up the last time, I thought I made the necessary adjustments, but I will, I will revisit that again. Thank you for pointing it out. Now it's changed, but when I first seen it, when I first got the notification, it, it said it's time for fish type So on Twitch, because I have the notifications on. But um, oh, back to what I was going to say. Uh, if we lose this series, like, like, I would really hope it's to pitching, if I'm going to be honest, even though we have some decent pitchers going. Uh, Craig has shown his um, his doubt in, uh, what's it called, in, um, in Braxton Garrett going longer than because uh, well, he, he smashed his pitch limit, or he's, like, going to career numbers in innings. Um, who else? It's going to be, it's Yuri, right? So Yuri coming off of, what, like, two weeks rest, Three games and then Cueto, which is what we're 0 and 5 when Cueto shows in any game. So his stats in Great American Ballpark for his career. Granted, a lot of that has been made up through like a decade ago. A lot of the bulk of the stats, but he pitches well in this ballpark. 
I mean, it's first home. It might be the last time he ever pitches there. So, like, I'm not too worried. See, the only caveat about that Cueto game is they're pitching against Graham Ashcraft, who I just looked up, has a 2.05 ERA since June 30th. That, like, that is nuts. That is one of the best ERAs in baseball over that stretch. He's been ridiculous. I was going to say, when he came in here, he had like a three ERA, or not even a three, like a four or five. It was qualities of being, of learning how to make adjustments, which is, I agree with Sharif. I feel like this lineup, you got to change something up. It's, it's, it gets a little bit aggravating watching um, Arise actually get a hit. And then, then Solaire come back up and then hit into a double play. It, it is. I still think that the right should be hitting first. That that I do believe should be happening. But to Sheree's point, I think that what was working at the start of the year where you're putting Birdie or whoever you wanted in nine hole, which, so if he got on base and he can, like, I, like most people, like I said before, if certain people can turn walks or singles into doubles and John Birdie is one of those was the stolen base king last year I, I've already I've shared my frustration with him and running the bases this season I'm not gonna do it again um he he's he, that's something that should be working I think that's hilarious and now with the addition of Josh Bell and Jake Berger should maybe get dumped down a little bit I would I wouldn't mind to see him three if I'm going to be honest, and you could put whoever you want to, right? And you see there there you have a little bit of lineup change. You have to change in your lineup, you know? You never really, it doesn't really matter who it is at two. I feel like you just give Soler a better chance because he's been smashing the ball. Look at today, Josh Jones. Like, that's just something that will never really happen, right? He knocked the ball down and, and just, yeah, like, it, it – it's just freak accidents, right? Um, another thing I was going to say, Jazz, I, I feel like people are blowing this a little bit too out of proportion. It's back-to-back lefties. He never starts against lefties when he's hitting like 108 against lefties Why, like with like one home run all year. I feel like that one's just pretty simple to understand why he didn't start today or he, why he probably won't start tomorrow. Well, I hate to cut you off real quick. I, I do like the point, but um, it is a good point. You'll find out tomorrow because Cincinnati's throwing out three right-handers. But continue. What? I thought, bro, I, when I was on there, it said that he was a left-handed pitcher. No, 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 no. You're, you're right. You, he did face a lefty today. I'm saying you'll find out if how injured Jazz actually is if he doesn't start tomorrow because you got three righties in a row. He's held out tomorrow. No, yeah. Romeo is right on this one. Tomorrow's starter is a lefty, Brandon Williamson. Now, yeah, now he's he's a, he's a rookie lefty, and he's not a particularly good one. This is not the type of player that you should be platooning with um, considering that you've already done it uh, the last two times in the previous three games. Um, yeah, so in this case... It is a lefty, but it's also one that is is not an intimidating one. Uh, if Jazz is fully in the clear with this hamstring issue, they need to win these games, and so I think I would have some faith in him being productive against this particular lefty. Well, that's on me because I've, I've watched a lot of Reds baseball this year. I've kind of been forced to. I thought Williamson was right hand, But, Romeo, continue your point. I, I cut you off hard. Um, tell me this wouldn't be a great idea. 
All right, this is going to be a little idea here, All right? When when you hit the Budweiser sign in the stadium, I think they they make it $5 Budweiser's. At this rate, what if you cut it to like $7 and like 50 cents when Burger hits a home run in Lone Depot Park? I was thinking about this the other day. Like you would sell so many more hamburgers at Lone Depot Park if he it, by by doing that, whenever he does occasionally hit a home run, because he went off a slider, which is kind of funny. Uh, that that is that something like that would be cool. I'm just trying to throw promotions at this point, you know. I think I think like the one that would make a lot of sense is if Burger hits a home run, the game after it should be a five dollar burger night. Which, by the way, they sold over two thousand burgers that day when they did that. So, and they were pretty damn good. Yeah, so, I like that idea. Well, they used to do the Papa John's promotion. How about the day after Burger hits a homer? You do, do you like still do that? After, you, I don't know. I know they do for the Heat, but um, how about if you? They were partnered with Burger King earlier in the year. They were giving away free tickets at Burger King. I but um, yeah, that, that was quite time to be alive. But if well, let's say Jake Burger hits a home run the next day, like three dollar whoppers or, or something like that. I don't know. But we're writers. We we don't work for the promotional staff, but we do have a guy who uh, who's definitely into that stuff. <laughs> Noah Burger, but uh, we'll report it to him. But you know, it's a good idea. I like it, Romeo. Yeah. Um, before I leave, because I'm gonna leave right here, I'm gonna leave it off of this. I would rather hit into 200 double plays than leave runners on base. Four for 48 is insane. Good night. Good night. <laughs> All right. Ryan's coming in. Ryan's always got the good questions, man. Before, before he speaks, I, the video of him turning off the TV, the TV the other day, made, that was funny. I, I, I'll say that. It, it made me laugh. I, I haven't seen this yet. Well, while it, he speaks, I'll go find it. All right, go ahead, Ryan. Yeah, Ryan, floor's yours. Let me go find this video. Alright, what's up guys? So, I don't really have much questions because I was on the space yesterday, but actually my dad, who's sitting right next to me on the couch, he wanted to ask, uh, I don't know why he doesn't just um, join himself, but he wanted to ask, um, how many wins do you think it'll take by the end of the season uh, for the Marlins to get the third wild card spot with all these teams losing? Um, like the Reds are on this massive losing streak, and oh, oh, I mean, and so are the Diamondbacks, and over in the American League, unrelated, but the Angels are also on that massive losing streak. They're now a game below 500. So, like the Marlins are still in striking distance here, only a half a game back with all these crazy struggles. I know it's wild to say because we've lost we've lost six of six of our last seven, and the Cubs are in the mix too. My dad just said that. But how many games do you think uh, it'll take to for the Marlins to get the third wild card spot? How many wins? Is it, well, I want to touch on quickly um, the Angels situation, even though it feels like this is such a devastating moment to be a Marlins fan. Imagine being the Angels and being on that line between buying and selling and then determining at the last minute, okay, we'll buy, um, even though their odds were worse than the Marlins' odds. And then immediately they have not won since the trade deadline as well. And it's the fact that they have such a key player that essentially they have no chance of keeping if they don't at least make the playoffs. So there are, it could be worse. That's what I'll just note there. It could be worse than things are. To put it in perspective with the wild card, looking at last year, that was the first year with three wild cards in each league. It took 87 wins in the National League. It took 86 in the AL to sneak in. And this year, I think it's good to note about how these other 
NL teams have been slumping almost as bad as Marlins have, I think it does open up a little bit of wiggle room below that 87 threshold. I think this is a year where you could see it go down a little bit, where perhaps 85, 84 is probably the number you're looking at. That's the target. I'd say 85 would be on the relative safe side. There's a good chance that 85 is going to be enough to get the third wild card right now. So for the moment, the teams that are holding that Cincinnati and Chicago, they're essentially tied their four games over 500. And I think if you finish at eight games over, um, that'll probably be enough to claim that final spot. Yeah, it'll be ultimately it's, it's similar to last year when you add it all up, the fact that these teams play each other so often. Um, but just observing these teams and the fact that they are they have their own flaws as well. Yeah, the threshold is, pro- is a little bit lower than I would have thought entering the year. Um, the problem is the concern was that teams like the Cubs and like the Padres that seemed were just on the cusp of potentially not really competing this year, that maybe the Marlins would luck out and those teams would not be quite as uh, determined at the deadline to improve because they did. And now because they're playing pretty well, those are just more teams to add to the mix. It is so there are really 10 teams in the national league that are still very much in play for wild for playoff spots. It's 10 teams for six spots. So four of those teams are going to go home uh, very unhappy. And the Marlins, unfortunately, uh, because of the way that they've slumped so severely, you know, they're temporarily on the outside looking in, but to answer your question, I would say 84 or 85 is what it's going to take. Yeah, I agree with Eli, just for the record. Yeah, his good points. I, w- I want to say it's going to be more like 86, unless everyone just keeps um, just falling apart like they have. But more and more, these teams are going to start playing each other, and something's going to have to give. Like, the Diamondbacks have been maybe the worst team in baseball over the last They're on the six-game losing streak, yeah. There are four teams that haven't won since the deadline. The Diamondbacks are one, and the Reds are one, and the Angels are one. Those are all three teams competing for a playoff spot, albeit one's in the AL. And the one team I didn't mention is the Mets. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, these teams are just all slumping. It's such a crazy time. The fact that it's all happening simultaneously is the best thing that could have happened in the Marlins in this scenario. But you got to get it together this week against so the Reds team that's on the struggle bus. To a, to a, to a certain degree, you could essentially knock them out kind of with the running, right? You would say if, if you sweep, you would, oh, no, this will be a game over 500. Never mind. If you sweep, yeah, they're not out of the running, but the yeah, they're basically falling down in Cincinnati. Nine-game losing streak, and their schedule's it's it's kind of cupcakey, kind of not. But they're about they have another ten-game road trip coming up here uh, at the end of the month. They just got back from one, and uh, yeah, like it's not going to be smooth sailing for them either. If they go on a nine-game losing streak, the sky will be falling. Uh, one note to final note on this topic as loud Marlins fan brings to my attention, the Marlins did win their season series against the Cubs and the Diamondbacks, which means that they hold the tiebreakers against those teams if they actually finish tied in the standings. Oh yeah, you're right. The, so against the Reds right now, they, they lost two, three against the Reds. Matt. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, two out of three does, you know, good in that regard. So you would have to sweep, sweep though. Sweep. Yeah. Which what could happen we'll see Ryan, floor right. my man if you got another question go ahead yeah i think that's it for me i'll just end it with um i'm, I'm excited for this series against the reds gonna need to i said this on my podcast hoping for two out of three gotta win two out of three 
sweep would be a benefit. Not expecting that. Uh, so anything better than two out of three is good. Uh, wait, Dad, you got anything else for them? No, I just I hope they can turn it around. I'm just trying to stay, right. up, trying to stay optimistic, but uh, it's a little bit challenging right now. Yeah, absolutely. All right, I'll see y'all. Uh, I'll see y'all on next base, and uh, make sure to go subscribe to Fish on First. Yes, and people subscribe to the Marlins HQ podcast. That's Ryan's show. Yes. Got that. All right. We thank Ryan here. We got Ryan in here now. Um, sorry about your wait, Brian, but time is now for, for you to ask your question. Hey, guys. Good evening. Uh, again, thank you guys for all the coverage. You guys are awesome when it comes to your Marlins coverage. Um, it's been, you know, obviously it was a really, really rough week. Um, so I just want to get into a few positives and just, um, thoughts on a few things. So obviously, um, Yuri's coming back tomorrow, which hopefully is a spark that the team can get, um, especially on the pitching side. Um, offensively though, uh, you know, we got a guy like Xavier Edwards who went six for six yesterday. He went like two for five today. Is there, you guys think, is there any way we can see that guy come up here soon and make an, an impact and help out this ball team? I mean, he's, he's playing really good ball right now. I don't think, what else does he have to prove down in AAA? Nothing. He has nothing to prove in AAA. I think that's the best way to put it. Uh, I think it would just, I don't even know how they feel about Wendell. He's been pretty good defensively. That would be like the guy who you would, in this case, DFA. Because they're not sending him down. But, like, besides that, I can't think of another player right now that, you know, you would essentially send out for him. Unless I'm blanking out on someone right now that's on that team. There, I don't think there's anyone in the infield that has minor league options. So, you would have to DFA someone. Unless someone gets yeah. yeah, And in Joey Wendell's case, it's close to $2 million. He's still owed for the rest of this year. As exciting as, as Edwards has been, the main thing holding him back is for whatever reason, the organization's belief that he cannot play shortstop. He has not played single inning of shortstop this year. Um, after doing a decent amount of it last year in with the Rays organization, and the year before he didn't play it either. Um, and I think it's fair to assume he would be a downgrade on that side of the ball. On the other side, the, he is the best hitter in minor league baseball this year at any level. He's been, he continues to get better. It's not wearing down. It's not a fluke. Um, the, the contact ability is insane, and you touched on the home run today. He's hit home runs in back-to-back games. I'm fairly sure he has never done that in his pro career before. He, even though he's limited in the power department, it's bigger than zero. There's there's something there. He runs very well. He's extremely efficient with his base running. He has the, the ability to help in center field in emergencies, but it is really the defensive fit that's holding him back, that he's not a really a good defender at any single spot. He's been playing second base in center field a lot of this year. And recently has been playing more third base. And I think that was somewhat of a contingency plan. If they weren't able to swing a trade that they wanted to swing, I think you could have seen him up. If they weren't able to agree to terms on a Jake Berger trade. Maybe he would have been up right after the deadline and pitched, pitched in a little bit at third. Um, but it, it's just a really difficult fit unless the, because the, area where they have most improved is at shortstop and between him and um, Jacob Amaya is the one that's the good defensive fit over there, but he hasn't been performing as well offensively since getting sent down. He hasn't really made it a tough decision on them. So I understand the frustration 
And but he'll he will be up if there is if there is any injury to any of these related players, whether it is Berger or Wenzel or Birdie or Jazz. If any of them ever go on the IL the rest of this year, that opens up the hole for him. Um, this is yeah, it's it's frustrating because the weakest link that they have is the one that he's not a perfect replacement for, um, being at shortstop, and the fact that Wendell has a pretty long track record of being a solid big leaguer. The fact that he's still owed a decent amount of money for the rest of this year is, is holding him back. Um, it's it's a tough spot. And I think ultimately I would kind of agree with what the team is doing at this particular moment. Um, uh, if this continues a little bit longer, if Wendell yeah. does not hit much at all for, let's say, the next week and a half, if this continues to be a significant slump, then you do have that conversation. Um then that probably would be the right time to make a move. But in the meantime, I think you just need to trust Wendell's track record a little bit more to break out of whatever issues he's having recently. The only other thing I'll say is that they had the opportunity to bring him back, but they chose to bring, I believe it was Garrett Hampson over him. So it wouldn't shock me if they bring Hampson. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me if they bring Hampson over him if you know an injury does come up. Although I, I disagree with that move. It's what they'll do, just given Hampson's been on the team longer and you know pinch hit options and all that stuff. You know, I, I think that would be the case. No, I think you're wrong about that. I think Edwards uh, is the very I, next uh, man. If any I, player that plays those four guys I touched on that play up the middle or on the left side of the infield, if any of them go out, they will bring up Edwards. It is not the same situation as even like a month ago, uh, because Edwards is he's destroying the baseball. He is showing a lot more offensive upside than Hampson could ever dream of having. I'm wrong, but you know, I mean, they've proven it countless times that it's been Garrett Hampson that they've brought up and down. So, so that's all um, The last question I had um, is also on the minor league side. Um, I understand, like, the trade deadline this year. I feel like a lot of the moves that, you know, Kim made, it wasn't just for now. Like you guys mentioned earlier on the space, it's for a little bit of the future as well, except for David Robertson. Um, so regarding the catcher position, uh, do you guys think Banfield, you know, just looking really ahead, do you guys think that he might be someone that will be starting the year, like next year, like being one of our, our catchers in the big league team? Alex Carver? Uh, man, um, if you asked me this question a little bit ago earlier this year, I would say, okay, yes. Um, there's just so many consistencies with offense for this player. Um, defense is good. Great, actually. Um, is there a chance that he could be a Marlins catcher next year? Yeah, sure. Of course, there's a chance that he could be. He's the upper levels of the minors. He's been here for a long time. Still a high school catcher, though. I still think he needs to prove consistency with the bat. He's been better, for sure, this year. He'll tell you himself he thinks he's been better. I think he has as well. Um, it would take for him to, to come to this team and be a starting catcher, I think, next year, no. For him to be possibly the backup in place of one of the two guys that they have is definitely possible, um, but I, I don't think he's done enough yet to prove that he could be a starting catcher. They need to sign a catcher. Um, you know, Banfield is, just hasn't done enough with the bat. McIntosh hasn't done enough on defense. Um, they're going to have to sign a catcher to be their starter, um, you know, unless they plan to stick with Stallings and Fortes any longer, which I hope they, did, that they don't. Um, so to answer your question, I would say yes, there's a possibility he could be on the team next year, um, but I don't think as a starter, not yet at least. And if they decide to keep Austin Allen, I guess he would. And if if they do keep him and they don't sign a catcher, because the, the catching market is not very uh, pleasing 
in free agency and besides maybe Grandal, if I'm recalling the names right now, he would probably be in contention as well. And he's not a prospect, but you know, he's just a guy who's been performing very well at the AAA level for a, for the jump shot. But aside from that, man, like you, 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 I think you pointed it out best. I, they made the trade to trade Ronald, who I guess, according to all of us, he was our best best catcher in the organization. Just when you look at our top prospect list, they they traded Vargas, they traded Eater, they traded Watson. This system is not looking good right now, but man, the system talk is for another day. That, that'll be a long talk. Yeah, I'll I'll just say I I I guess I'm now as optimistic on Banfield as even Carver is that we've now met in the middle here. Whereas this season has gone on, he's really grown on me. I do think he gets a very good chance to come into spring training and win, you know, the backup job. So it's just a question of whether they do get that primary catcher you can trust from outside the organization. Uh, it, as dry as the options look, I mean, it is a huge void. I do expect Stallings to be gone and that they get a veteran that it is an upgrade over him and that it's a competition between Fortes and Banfield mainly with some other guys in the mix for that second spot. It has been a weird year, um, two years really that the fact that both Stallings and Fortes have completely avoided the IL, like this is unusual. If you look around baseball to have such durability from your catcher. So we haven't even gotten a taste of anybody else in this organization over the, almost those two full seasons. It's been weird, but uh, Banfield continues to grow on me. And I, I do think this has been a real step forward for him this year. And he's still relatively young. He's going to get a shot to fight his way onto the team legitimately next year. Awesome, guys. I really appreciate it. Um, last thing I'm going to say before I sign off is uh, I'm really uh, happy that Eddie had a good start today and AAA only allowed one walk. So hopefully we could see him back soon and help this team, honestly, even if it's just in the bullpen. Other than that, I hope you guys have a good night and a great week. Yeah, encouraging stuff from Eddie. Yes, sir. Yep, we appreciate it. We will move on to the next beer now. We'll go Sean. Who's also a super subscriber? Again, we'll, we'll go to about nine o'clock. We'll, we'll do a hard cutoff there. We appreciate all the requests, but on nights like these, if we don't get to you, uh, apologize. Got Sean loading in right now. The awkward silence. I know. Yeah, I'm trying to fill it. We give him a few more seconds, but then Hunter is going to be next in line. Right, yeah, you know what, Eli? It's all you. I'm bad at deciding, especially once we get out of super subscribers. Um, it gets awkward. I don't like it. <laughs> All right, looks like Hunter's here. Um, the Sean ever connects. You know, of course, he's got that super star, super subscriber priority. But Hunter, what's up? And uh, what's your question? I was just wondering. So I've been watching some of uh, Pat Monteverde. And I was just wondering if y'all think he could make it up this year. I know Cueto's done a little bit better in spots since he's came back, but I just don't believe in him. And I think that getting Monteverde up there could help a lot more. Um. Well, they kind of just brought up years, so that I guess it shows how you how they feel about the rest of the, the guys down there. Obviously, he's the best fresh arm. They've had opportunities to bring back, bring up Monteverde uh, with Edward struggles, Cueto when he was on the IL. They, they've had their chances. I think he's gonna. I, I think he's a great pitcher, and Carver couldn't, you know, say the same. That he's had a great year. He had one bad start in his last one, actually. They, I, they, he got crushed. But <laughs> yes, I think he's. 
That is an understatement. He said a, <laughs> yeah, whatever the Marlins minor league record is for most earned runs allowed in a start, he was up against it. I think he allowed 13 earned runs this week oh in AAA. God. Aside from that, if you take out the, t- the time where he was record-setting struggles, he's been amazing. He has been amazing. Um, and, the, yeah, it's it's an interesting situation. There are some parallels between him and Braxton Garrett, for example. But, honestly, his his velocity is even lower than Braxton's is. Um, it's, it's very little margin for error oh, unless your secondaries are really working. And for most of this year, his changeup has been working at a special level and he's been able to locate that fastball pretty well. Yeah, he is somebody that, in, in certain situations, he's at least capable of giving you a quality start. Um, but this, this is also the profile of player that can um, be overmatched, potentially, where if guys are fouling his pitches off instead of swinging and missing the way that they are in the minors, then it puts him in situations where he's just one mistake away from uh, getting barreled uh, because of his lack of velo. So, yeah, he's an interesting player. It is, uh, I guess we were suspecting that he had a high likelihood of being traded. So it's, I guess it's nice to still have him in the organization. They're able to make the upgrades they did without moving him. And that'd be, but um, there's, yeah, I, yeah, I'm not super confident in what that looks like this year right now. Eventually they'll have to make a hard decision on that. If there are additional injuries or if there are other starters wind down, they're just running out of other alternatives at this moment. Um, yeah. It depends how quickly, they feel confident in Edward getting back on track. Yeah, outside of him, um, outside of Edward, there's limited depth that you really trust. And I guess Monteverde could be as good a chance as any of those guys who at least get a shot. I will say also, speaking of Eddie Carrera, did them. Like, do y'all think that he will become what they think he can? Because the walks are just so bad at the major league level. And I just, there's a part of me that feels as bad down on him as I do on Sixto nowadays. <laughs> hey. the, answer your, the answer to your question, in my opinion, is if, if, they, if they get exactly what they thought Edward could be, um, when they originally uh, were starting to build this player up, they're going to get very lucky because they originally thought that this guy could be an ace. And I, I really highly doubt that he is. I highly, I, I somewhat also doubt, not highly doubt, but I do significantly doubt that he will be a starting pitcher and he's going to go to the bullpen. Um, so the answer to your question in my, on my behalf is no. I don't think they're going to get what they thought Edward Cabrera was. I think he's going to go to the bullpen. That doesn't mean he can't be okay in the bullpen. That just means he's not going to live up to the potential ceiling, which happens with players, especially guys that go through a lot of injuries like Cabrera and control issues like you said with Cabrera. Um, you know, he's in AAA right now trying to work it out. I think he started today. I haven't seen the line yet. Maybe one of you guys have, Kevin or, or um, Brant or uh, Eli. But um, no, to answer your question, I don't think he's going to live up to his ceiling. My bad. I was watching the Messi game. All right, here we I don't think Edward Cabrera will be what I think the expectations are. I think he's a good pitcher, and I think there's a good chance that he could be a really good reliever. But right now, I mean, we saw he, he's pretty inconsistent. He has he's high high walk counts for the most part throughout the season. Just I think you know, I think he's not going to be that big time starter. I think the best case could be he could be a back in the bullpen, a back in reliever. I mean, back in starter. I'm sorry. Or even a high leverage reliever, but aside from that, I just 
I don't see him as that frontline starter that the Marlins saw him as, you know, coming into the, uh, the season or coming into when he made his debut. It is important that we draw a clear line between Edward and Sixto. You mentioned Sixto at the end of that. Yeah, Sixto is not going to be pitching baseballs against live hitters um, for the foreseeable future. At least Edward is available to do that. At least his stuff is pretty close to what it used to be. It's not a matter of lack of stuff coming back um, with him. So there's a clear delineation between him and Sixto. Like Edward is somebody that could actually contribute to this team this the rest of this year and beyond. Other than that, I'm kind of aligned with both Kevin and Alex on this, where the control has not come along to where it needs to be. His his fastball, as enticing as it is because of how hard he throws and his changeup is because of how hard that is, um, it just hasn't played the way that the way that he sequences his pitches and the way that he locates them, it's just not up to par to get the best out of himself. Um, it would not be unheard of for somebody in his situation to figure it out later into his career, after his prospect days, after maybe even after a change of scenery. I would not rule out the possibility that he becomes a good starter eventually. I just don't think it's in the immediate future for him. I think they'll need pretty substantial adjustments on his end for it to click. And the fact that they are as I mentioned, kind of relying on him as their main, essentially their sixth starter right now in case something goes wrong with their primary guys, it's that's concerning because he, he's been given a lot of chances and the majority of his outings this year, he just he's not giving you the combination of efficiency and length into his starts to, um, to really help you win games. It's been more of a liability. So it's been, by any measure, it's been a disappointing year for him. And correct me if I'm wrong, in the Herald article, they mentioned that they were receiving calls on him, right? Like, they, teams were asking about Edward. Was, was that, if, if I read it correctly, that was the case, right? Yeah, teams want to buy low on him because this yeah. is not the year that he was supposed to have. They think he's more available, but they were having conversations of him reportedly during the offseason as well. And his value is down right now. This is his final minor league option year that they're being used up. Um, and they know how quickly that value could continue to fall off the map if he doesn't actually perform at all between now and uh, the end of the year. So uh, that's perfectly understandable that other teams would try to get him and try to fix him. He's an interesting project, but he's going to have to go about things differently um, because the league has made adjustments to him, and he I don't think he's made the progression that you would expect between really the last two years. He's been up in the majors. He's almost two full years now removed from his debut, and I, I just don't think he's really grown that much in that period of time. Thank you all for answering my questions. I'll let somebody else. Scott now, but hey, we appreciate it. Um, probably good. Well, let's go. What, two questions you guys think? Is that good? Yeah. Whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's go. Let's go. Two more questions. We've got the, the Dino Sir right now. Eli can bring in uh, whoever else to, to close us out. So, uh, what is your question tonight, my man? Hey, y'all. You guys can hear me fine. Yep. Yep. All right. Cool. Um, no, I'm just. Um, I wanted to hear your guys' thoughts on well, a couple things. Mainly for me right now, just Skip and how he's doing. I I'm somebody that understands that he is a, you know, rookie manager and rookie managers do make mistakes. Um, but I want to know how you guys feel about how he owns these mistakes and how he 
does uh, does good on these mistakes because I feel like he's almost the polar opposite of Don Mattingly, which I don't know is a good thing or a bad thing because when Don managed, he was very hard-headed. He was very hard-stuck on his plan, his goal. No matter what happened, he would stick to it. If you wanted to have uh, Sandy go five innings or ten innings in a game, you know. But then I feel like Skip's issue right now, at least since the second half, because maybe he's heard people critiquing his style or anything, he's he's somebody that's over-adjusting a little too much. I feel like he's been, you know, he hears somebody say, oh, he kept him in for too long this game. Then he'll take the guy out after five innings the next game. Or he kept a guy in for too little. He'll keep a guy in to pitch for nine innings after that. You know, what, do you, what have you guys been seeing with the skip, the way Skip adjusts game to game against any team after whatever mistake happens the day, the day before? He's been pretty good. He, he I, you know, for, I guess I guess the more indicated person would be myself to answer this. I'm there more at the ballpark itself. Grant also has been there a little bit this season. He'll be there for this series against the Reds, so he'll notice it. But, yeah, he's someone who admits it. When, when he knows he's, he messed up, he'll admit it and – Will he make an adjustment? Yeah, he definitely will. I mean, he's done it a couple times. There's times where this season he's not let Luzardo go seven. He let him go seven in that Colorado game, and look how that ended up for him. Working out pretty well. They got the win. He got the uh, Luzardo pitch. Like, I believe he had a career high in strikeouts. Oh, when it comes to the lineup, I can't say much about that. Obviously, for the most part, it's work. That one, two, three of of, of Arai, Soler, De La Cruz. Obviously, now you insert Bell in there, so. Hope that should be a lot better. Obviously, you faced a great team in, in Texas, and been a tough stretch for the team as of late. But you know, with the Phillies as well. But you know, for the most part, he's been able to adjust well, and he admits it when he's wrong. I will say he he is kind of a polar opposite from Donnie, where you know if he knows he messed up, and you know he he knows that he he's going to admit it, and he's going to tell you, look, I messed up. And you know, I've spoken to him a lot before. So as Noah, Isaac, the guys who usually are at the ballpark. They, they, you know, they can pretty much say the same thing that when Skip has messed up, he knows it and he, he'll admit it. And you know, he takes you through his decision making, which is something that not all managers do. And they, they talk, you know, off the record through decision making. He, he's done that a couple times as well, where if someone has a disagreement or you know he or you talk to him and you ask him, he will give you a great response, and he takes you through that decision making. So. He's been great. He's a great manager. Uh, I think Grant said it best. If they make the playoffs, he should be the annual manager of the year. I do think he'll be a candidate for the award. So we'll see what happens there. But, yeah, he's been great. I, I do think – I hope they take that third op, third year. They accept it. I believe it's a club option. So I hope they accept that club option there for that third year. He's, deserved, he's earned um, himself a little longer tenure than, you know, as a manager. Yeah, why don't you let him get through one year before we talk about 2025? <laughs> But to touch on what Kevin said, I think it is important to distinguish between him being overreactive to mistakes and, but also the other side of him that he will, he does have a lot of conviction in his decisions for him to explain when things happen. Like he, he does, he probably doesn't do it quite as much publicly, but yeah, privately he has conviction in what he does for the most part. There are few, yeah, yeah, there, there are a few situations where he is, where he'll admit to an open mistake, but there's probably even more so where yeah he he puts in so much preparation him and his staff, um and they they believe in their process for a lot. So uh, yeah, I don't think it's 
quite as extreme. What, what has shown up in the second half is in particular with the bullpen and, and how early in the year he was so aggressive in leaning on his most trusted relievers and they gave him great results for the most part. And now in the second half, we've seen several games where he seemingly backs off of that same killer instinct. And they've had a lot of leads slip away just because he's not putting his most trusted guys on the mound at the same time. And ultimately that just goes back to the fact that those guys are not performing the same way in the second half as they did in the first half where he doesn't, I I don't think there is a clear hierarchy right now in this bullpen of who to trust aside from having Robertson at the top and probably Tanner Scott, a half tier behind him. And then from there, it's, um, it's just a big, it's very fluid, unfortunately. So that was such a strength of this team early in the year. That was a key for why they were winning so many one run games and now it has regressed a little bit. So it's it just in a really tough position. He's, he has a team that in a few key spots are relying on very young players that are in workloads or trying to deal with roles that they've never had before. Uh, we've touched on them already from the pitching side, even guys like De La Cruz offensively being trusted to play every single day and start every single day this season. Um, it is a challenging assignment to have to contend, to meaningfully contend when you have um, a fair amount of inexperience and in, in players that are being pushed to levels that they haven't been pushed to before. I, yeah, I, I agree in all that. I, I really do like Skip, and I like that he's more of a player's manager compared to the managers we've had before. And while um, you just say don't be hesitant, or be hesitant with, uh, with giving any, any extensions until uh, this year, I do feel like, you know, if I was given the choice right now, I would sign him for the next couple of years. Um, but now, j- just one more question, my last question. Um, you know, I've heard people talking about uh, Xavier Edwards. You know, I have two people who have more experience with the minor league players uh, on here. Do you guys believe that he has, you know, because I, I from the eye test that I have, do you think he has the tool set? to be given shortstop. I mean, we have Luis Arias playing second base, and he, in the beginning of the season, from what I heard, from what a lot of people heard, read, was that he was a terrible second baseman, terrible defensively, and look at him, he's playing second base, and he's only made, what, three errors this year? What do you guys think if we just, you know, plop him at shortstop, you don't think he sort of figured out? I mean, I, I don't know exactly the adjustment to be made between second and short. I feel like Visually, it's not too much of a difference other than arm to stick someone at short compared to second. But what are you guys' opinions on just, you know, sticking him in the major league lineup, plopping him at short, and just see what happens? Because we need his bat, I feel. Not a shortstop. Doesn't have the range, doesn't have the arm. He's, he's, not, a, he's not a shortstop. Uh, could he fake it at shortstop? Maybe. Um, but he's not a long-term shortstop uh, at all. So, no. Um he, I, I really don't think that he has the ability to do it there. He should also not be in center field. He's only there because the Marlins don't have center fielders, and he's doing his best in center field, which has looked both good and bad uh, with Jacksonville. Um, I think also with the Marlins, looked both good and bad. Not a center fielder, not a shortstop. He's a third baseman or second baseman. That's where he needs to be. Okay. And what? Yeah, and what we should point out, with especially with these trade acquisitions, it, if you have a below average shortstop, like he, he he could physically stand in that spot, but it just compounds the issue. Um, Arise has been better than expected at second base, but not a strong defender overall. 
um, when you add it all together, he's sure handed. He makes the plays that he's supposed to make. The positioning has helped him. They put him in the right spots, but overall his range is still really limited. His arm is a little erratic as well. When you combine him, and if Jake Berger is going to be your third baseman on most days, and if Josh Bell is going to be your first baseman on most days, uh, that's the really, then that whole combination is problematic. It would be a very poor defensive infield where you have a couple guys in this rotation, like Sandy and even Yuri to an extent. Um, and especially, I mean, a lot of these guys, Cueto, for, when Cueto is on, especially that are heavy ground ball guys, you're, for whatever value he adds offensively, you're going to subtract quite a bit of it defensively again if you're putting him in that spot. So I mentioned it earlier in the show. I think he's definitely going to he he is going to come up if there is any injury to an adjacent position. Any of those guys up the middle or even at third base, if any of those guys go in the IL at any point, he is going to get his opportunity to play. At this particular moment, I don't see how you force him up and cut Joey Wendell. Um, there, there really isn't an obvious corresponding move to make at this exact moment that makes sense, just given his lack of defensive fit. What I would say as well is that, man, he's been okay at third base, but it's also not great there. So, I mean, third base, or sorry, sorry, second base is kind of where you want to see this guy, and you have an answer there right now. Um, yes, I would agree with Eli. Like, if with what he's doing with the bat, like if Wendell's slump continues much longer, that, there's a clear move to make, um, clearly. I mean, this guy's on an expiry contract, and he's been pretty bad lately. So if his slump continues much longer with what he's doing right now, there's a clear move to make. Uh, will they do it? That's up to Kim Ang and the rest of the front office, but that's that's a pretty easy move to make if, if Wendell keeps struggling the way that he has uh, when you have Edwards doing what he's doing in, in AAA. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, yes, he could stand there at shortstop and, and fake it, but uh, I think the results that you'll see on defense from him will be um, not to your liking uh, if that does happen. But they're willing to sacrifice that for the offense. That's okay. Um, and, you know, if he does enough for the offense at the major league level, then it's fine. But long term, the answer with Edwards is I think he's a second baseman, maybe, maybe a third baseman. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's all the questions I had. Thank you, guys. Yep, we appreciate it. Thank you. We'll go one more question here. We'll see who Eli brings in. Drum roll. Da, 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 da. Uh, I'll bring in. I'll bring in Romeo for his double dip. Okay. Yeah. Hey, that three dollars a month is completely worth it, right there. Uh, this will be the last question we answer again. We thank you guys all for listening in. Two hours show, man. Hey, we appreciate it. If we didn't get to your question, apologies, but uh, super subscriber guarantee we'll talk to you three dollars a month on our website. But, uh, Romeo, hey, close us out, my man. If he's there. <laughs> yeah, if he's there. Hello? 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 <laughs> um, dude, I was, I was thinking about it. Has either of our catchers been hurt? Like, I knew you guys talked about it, but, like, did Stalin get hurt last year or Fortis? No. Eli was mentioning that that these guys have avoided the IL for basically the past two seasons. I believe Stallings did avoid it this last year. And obviously, both of them had this season, which is what makes you know, which 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 is interesting. You don't usually see that from a catcher tandem like that. So, and also a big reason why we haven't seen you know the likes of Will Banfi, Austin Allen make their major league debuts. Those guys have been able to stay healthy, you know, and, and it, it is impressive to a certain degree. It sucks that you know they aren't that good. 
but it's impressive that they've been able to stay healthy. I've seen um, Borges has been turning it around a little bit and hit a home run, his fifth one. Looks like he changed his stance a little bit. Um, I heard from someone, a little source of mine, for some reason, when he came up, they decided after like that first hot streak he had and he cooled down a little bit to change Dane Myers' swing. That that I know for a fact. Um, why would you guys think that they did that? Dane Myers? Yeah, I know he's not on the team right now, but they, they 100% changed his swing. His, swing. his stance is a little bit more open. And those were the adjustments that he was trying to do. He was trying to go back to that swing that he had when he was still in Jacksonville. Sadly, he was going to get sent down anyways, but... No, I don't know. I can't speak for that. I haven't actually watched a triple game in a while, to be honest with you. So, uh, I'm not, not sure. Um, I, I, I know that Skip had said that he does want to see him do work with his swing, and that's why the reason that he was benched before he got sent down. Um, then, of course, you know, you got Avi coming back, and you got to make a call, and, you know, that's, that's where they went. So... I mean, it made sense to send him down when they sent him down. Um, you know, guy's guy's in a good spot, though. He made his major league debut. He's going to have a baby. Like, I'm, I'm proud of that guy. Um, he's, he's thrown a lot this year, and it's cool. Um, but wherever he is with his swing, um, I haven't really seen too many huge changes, honestly. Uh, and I looked at him in AAA when I'm watching AAA games from where he went with the Marlins. But um, he's obviously working on stuff still. He's obviously still got things to work on as young of a player as he is. Um, and as young to hitting as he is, of course, he's going to continue to work on stuff. So, yeah, it's not impossible that he got word that he needs to do this with his swing, and that's what he's trying to follow. So, um, not impossible. I don't have that corroborated or confirmed on my end either. Um, and I don't really see it um, in my looks at him that he's doing anything majorly different. But it's not impossible. It's it's just a slight. Like, I, was, I work at the stadium, so I see his I, before he got sent down. It's, it's like his stance is a little bit more open, but you have to only see it from like a certain side. It, you could, it's like it's not it's up like a, maybe like half a step, two three steps, but it is changed because he was a little bit close, more closed in when it was when he was up when he first came up and hit the home run left on that road that that uh road oh no hit, hit the hit the all star break and just cooled down from there, but. The league adjusts and you have to adjust back. That's the biggest thing for a guy making his debut. The league is going to adjust to you and you have to meet that and uh, be able to um, to get the best of guys when they know the best of you. Like there's now reports out. There's now video out on this player um, and you have to be able to adjust to that. So whether that's through a mental adjustment, a physical adjustment, whatever it is, that's what Dane needs to learn. Um, I'm I'm, I'm confident he'll be back. Um, I have confidence in that player. I think he's good. Um, I, I don't think this is the last you'll see of Dane Myers in Major League Baseball. Um, I think he'll be back. And like I said, he's in a good place personally as well. So um, it's been a, it's been an exciting 2023 for Dane. Maybe we see him before the end of the season, hopefully. Um, if not, I definitely, if he's still with the Marlins, I think you'll see him as early as next season. And I know you guys are trying to close the year out. I'll end it off with this last thing. I have to be the unluckiest, besides the trading of Sean Reynolds, fantasy player in all of the super subscriber league i've had like all of my starters get injured like josh young just got injured today don't worry brother we're on the same one i, I also lost young Bro, i lost young i've lost trout i lost your don for like two months um who else is on my aisle i have someone else that's on my aisle 
Uh, oh, oh I, I drafted O'Neal Cruz, and, and like he's been on the I.L. for years, so I just haven't decided to cut him yet. But it's just close. I, it's close. Unlucky, man. September. Not too far out. Our trade deadline is at the end of the week, so hopefully our league... That's going to be wild. I'm hoping that some trades get made. I made a suggestion to our commissioner. We will see. But is that, Justin that Morris did pick up saves. If anyone wants to know that. I know that's the deadline. He did pick we'll up saves. On, on that. Um, so, two-hour show. Thank you, guys. We'll be back here this time next week. But real quick, I'll be at the ballpark in the next three days in Cincinnati. If you guys have any story ideas or just anything you guys want me to do, DM me. I will take all suggestions into account. Try to churn out as much content as we can. We're a multimedia Brent, platform now. Brent, can, you, gonna... can you write about Jacob Berry's second double-A home run? No, I cannot. No, I cannot. Dude, That's for you. to do that. That, that is what? Alex Carver. But when I saw the the Barry home run, I, I I didn't know what I was I I was in shock that he actually hit one. But all right, continue. And look, we're we're looking to expand everywhere: YouTube, TikTok, written articles, man. Whatever you guys want to see me do, any kind of interviews, stories. Look, DM them to me. A- anything good that that can get put on the site, get put on our YouTube page, get put on our ever growing TikTok page that Kevin's trying to build up. Uh, look. We're, we're good for it all. So DM me any ideas, man. Um, thank you guys for listening. We'll be back at, at this time next week to hopefully cap a winning week.